May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here today. Beautiful day. Um, I'm going to talk to you this morning about this reading from Hebrews, but our Old Testament reading came from Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53, if you read it all the way through, is all about Jesus. There's no mistaking uh, who that is that Isaiah is talking about. And Isaiah 53 is never preached in synagogues. And I found out from a, or a Messianic rabbi that some synagogues have removed Isaiah 53 from their texts. So there's no, no chance that we might stumble onto that. But I want to uh, just talk to you this morning about three verses from this reading from, from Hebrews 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has in every respect been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and, and find grace to help in the time of need. Big idea this morning is fear not, in Christ we have everything we need. Fear not, in Christ we have everything we need. A little background. Um, Hebrews was written in a time when the church was being persecuted, but no one as of that time had died for the faith. So things were changing, pressure was coming, um, people were starting to question should I stay? Should I go? In the very beginning, everyone who came to faith in Jesus Christ was a Jew. And then Gentiles began to be added. And then the Gentiles exceeded the number of Jews who had come to faith in Jesus. And now some of the Jews who had come to faith in Jesus were questioning, did they make the right decision? And the letter to the Hebrews is really about stick with it. Don't back down. Stay the course. Don't go back to the old ways. You have the truth. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that all the prophets talked about. He's the one that was predicted. And here he is. And you understand that. You know that. You've embraced it. Don't go back to the old ways. Also at that time, there were three prominent views of God. The Jews saw God as holy and different. And he didn't really share our human experiences. The Jews saw God as unapproachable. When you read through the Old Testament, if you got too close to something, if you used the wrong kind of incense, if you stuck your foot in the wrong place inside the wrong tent, you were toast. And they, they, got, a, they got a real sense of don't, don't come near, don't get too close, unapproachable. Then you had the Epicureans who were Greek philosophers, and they thought that the gods lived in this perfect happiness in a space between the worlds, and they were just detached. The Stoics, um, the primary attribute of the, God that, the, of the God that they saw was apathy, the inability to feel anything at all. So you get this sense of here we are, and there our gods are unapproachable, they're detached, they don't care, they're apathetic, and then along comes Christianity. Whoa. God identifies with the suffering in this world. He knows us. He loves us. 
He sacrificed for us. He redeemed us through his son, Jesus Christ. He's relational. It is a totally radical change in the way God is understood on the earth. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Now, the way it used to be in the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He'd go through all the outer areas and go into the Holy of Holies, and he would spatter blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant for the sins of the, of the people, right? There was no seat because he wasn't sitting down. He was standing up, and he was doing his work as long as he was in there. Only the high priest could ever go into the Holy of Holies. If you go, the last time I was in Israel, I don't know if it's still this way, it probably is, there's a sign as you go up on the Temple Mount, if you're Jewish, please do not come up here. Please do not come because you might inadvertently step on the place where the Holy of Holies was and that would be a sacrilege. If you're Jewish, don't come up to the Temple Mount because you might inadvertently step in the wrong place and that would be a sacrilege. The the high priest had bells on the bottom of his robe, and he had a rope tied around his ankle because they knew that if the bell stopped ringing, God had struck him dead, and they would have to drag him out of the Holy of Holies because nobody could go in to get him. That's how, this, I'm not kidding. This is how serious this was for them. Jesus is the great high priest, we're told today. Nobody else has ever called that. And he ushers people into the presence of God. We're told that Christ sits at the right hand of God, the Father, interceding on our behalf. In Christ we have clout. He's with me. Come on in. So I've told you the story before, but some haven't heard it. So we're, we're going to Rwanda, and Brenda Sharp, Brenda here, yep, on the back. Brenda comes up with these things that call shoes that grow. Shoes that grow, right? And you, they grow five sizes. They're made out of old tires, but they're really nice. So we've got all these shoes in these red canvas bags. And there were two groups going to Rwanda at that time. And one group went, and two days later, we were going to follow. So the first group goes, and the priest that's leading that group calls me and says, Don, when you get to the airport, they go crazy over these red bags. They don't know what to make of them. They thought it was contraband. We were going to sell them. I thought we were going to get arrested. We had to call Archbishop Kalini to even get out of the airport. I went, okay, be warned, be ready, okay. We're getting ready to go, and Vicki Hester had given me all these sunglasses to give to people, right? She was always giving me stuff to give away. So we got there, and there was a young guy, young man named Nolan, and he was going to help us with our bags. So I gave him a pair of sunglasses and said, here, put these on. He takes them off, and he gives them, and he said, no, I said, no, no, you, you, you keep them. He goes, no, I said, keep them, I said, keep them. So now we've got the, uh, got all the bags on the cart. The red bags are there, and we turn the corner, and there's the guy. There's the guy you got to get by. He's the guy that's causing all the trouble. Take a deep breath. All right, here we go. I've got Kalini's phone number. And we start walking, and Nolan is leading us. And I don't know what he did. I don't know what he did. But the guy goes, have a nice day. That was it. Because Nolan did something, and it was like, they're with me. It's okay. 
And I thought, <laughs> it, it's all about who you know. And if you know Jesus, you get to get into the presence of God. Amen? That was a small little thing there. He gets to do this because in Hebrews 10.12 says this, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. A single sacrifice for all time for all sins. Christ's sacrifice is final. There's no need for any other act to achieve salvation. And the good news is there is no such thing as purgatory. There is no purgatory. Amen? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Purgatory is not a biblical concept. It means that Christ did some of it on the cross. I'll just do the rest. No, he did it all on the cross. There's nothing I could ever do anyway to accomplish that on my own, in my own power. I love the thief on the cross. You know, this day you will be with me in paradise. Paradise is not heaven. It was a, it was a word that meant a garden outside the, the, the castle walls. It's like this is where we're kind of gathering until the gates of heaven open. But you, you close your eyes here, you open your eyes there, you're going to see them. No purgatory. Just an aside. I would have to say that we live in a pretty troubled and confusing world. We live in a world of confusion, disillusionment, uncertainty, doubt, and disappointment all around us. We had Irene Resendez here. She's going to be 97. I asked her if she'd ever seen anything like this. She said no. 97 years old. She said, I've never seen the world like this. I've never seen life like this. There's so many things that are kind of getting uh, to us these days, whether it's the economy, whether it's inflation. Anybody knows the gas is going up. Have you ever in your, world, in your, in your life thought about supply chain issues? I never did. Although Kathy and I ordered a microwave on January 5th, it arrived yesterday. January 5th, 2021, it arrived October 16th, 2021, and I was happy to get it. That's a long time, but things are taking on much longer than they used to. Um, climate change issues that people are, are working with. If you live in California, last week Governor Newsom banned all off-road gasoline-powered mechanisms, such as lawnmowers. Um, those four-wheel things you drive around in the woods, leaf blowers, uh, weed whackers, all of a sudden can't use them. So if you have a lawn company, I don't know what you do. Companies that sell the stuff, I don't know what they do. All of a sudden it's very different. It's a change. It's stress that you didn't expect. Um, all the stuff with critical race theory and back and forth. Parents are now going to school board meetings, and if you if you go to a school board meeting, is a danger you're going to be called a domestic terrorist because you're expressing a viewpoint to your school board. The education of our children is now in question. Um, all the stuff that's gone on with COVID, the closing of businesses, churches, schools, uh, travel, all the different things that are involved with that. Mandates, vaccine mandates, now have an effect on law enforcement, teachers, healthcare workers, whatever it, it might be. You can have an opinion on that, but it's real for the people that are having to deal with it, a great source of stress. Um, the sexual and gender revolutions, 
are upon us. Um, there's a new edition from Marvel Comics of Superman. Superman is now John Kent. He was the son of Lois Lane and Clark Kent in the new series. He's gay. Superman is now gay, and he is this character that your children will emulate, look up to, and hold in high esteem. Defund the police. Um, it's changed the way we look at sports, uh, media. Social media has been an issue. Uh, politics, church, family. I could go on. My point is not to depress you. It's to say that there's not a lot in our lives today that haven't been affected lately by these changes and these things that cause us stress, division, isolation, discord. But in dealing with these times, I want to stress this. We must not listen to the world and be overwhelmed. We've got to stay focused on the one who paid the price for our sins, Jesus. Jesus is the answer for the world today. thought about writing a song with that title, but there was already a song by that title. We're told to hold fast to our confession, our confession of faith. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what my life is like now. He said, hold fast to your confession. Don't go back. Don't let go. Don't become rocky soil, weedy soil, and when times get tough, you fold. Don't be overcome by the cares of the world. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember, we were getting ready to leave the Episcopal Church. There were 15 of us walking, 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 walking. In the end, there were eight of us because the price was too high. Jesus said, more people will be unfaithful to me than faithful to me because being faithful will cost too much. We've got to keep moving forward, hold fast to the faith, that has been given to us. So the question is, does your confession of faith reflect your life? Am I different than I was before? Paul Ferguson gave me a new term this morning. I had never heard of this. He says, you know what a rhino is? Republican in name only. He said, there's now such a thing as a sino, C-I-N-O, Christian in name only. I said, ooh, that's an interesting term, you know. And I thought, Probably a lot of people would fit the description. Yeah, I was baptized or whatever. Yeah, I go to church now and then. I say grace. But has it really affected the way you live and who you are, what you believe? Repentance, remember repentance is more what it means is change of mind. I change the way I think about everything. I see the world differently. I see my life differently. I see God differently. I see relationships differently. That's the confession of faith that he tells me to hold on to. When we have struggles, difficulty, and pain in life, where do we go? He says Jesus can sympathize with our weakness and temptation because he was tempted in every way as we are, yet he did not sin. Nobody was ever tempted like Jesus. In the area of temptation... There's a point in which we crumble, we give in, we fold, or we pass out. <laughs> There's no crumbling in Jesus. We all, we've all known a sense of loneliness, but none of us have sensed loneliness by being separated from God. 
when Jesus was separated from his father for three hours on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And for the first time ever, Jesus is separated from the love of his father. We've all known guilt, but we've never known the weight and the pain of the guilt of every sin that was ever committed or ever will be committed, and that's what he suffered on the cross. He knows my weaknesses. He knows me. He empathizes with me. He sympathizes with me. He walks with me. Now, to the Jews, the throne was a throne of judgment. Jesus turns it into a throne of grace. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Longing to leave her poor Brazilian neighborhood, Christina wanted to see the world. Discontent with a home having only a pallet on the floor, a wash basin, and a wood-burning stove, she dreamed of a better life in the city. One morning she slipped away, breaking her mother's heart. Knowing what life on the streets would be like for her young, attractive daughter, Maria hurriedly packed to go find her. On her way to the bus stop, she entered a drugstore to get one last thing, pictures. She sat in the photograph booth, closed the curtain, and spent all she could on pictures of herself. With her purse full of small black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. When pride meets hunger, a human will do things that were before unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search. Bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place where the reputation for street walkers or prostitutes. She went to the mall, and at each place she left her picture, taped on a bathroom mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner phone booth. And on the back of each photo she wrote a note. It wasn't too long before both the money and the pictures ran out, and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village. It was a few weeks later that Christina descended to the hotel stairs. Her young face was tired, her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet. Yet the little village was, in too many ways, too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again, and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the small photo. Written on the back was this compelling invitation. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. She did. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. The story showing the sympathy of our great high priest and his resources was related by Dr. John Wilson about Booth Tucker, who was involved years ago with the Salvation Army. Wilson tells the story that Booth Tucker was preaching in Chicago, and a man came up to him after his sermon 
and was really upset about the sermon. He was extolling the virtues of Christ, and, and he said to him, you talk like that about this Jesus Christ, and he's dear to you, and you say he helps you and provides the needs of your life. But if your wife was dead like mine and your little babies were crying for their mother like mine, a mother who would never come back, you wouldn't stand up here and say what you're saying. A few days later after that, Booth Tucker lost his wife in a wreck, and her body was brought to Chicago for a funeral. Booth Tucker stood up after the funeral service and looked down into the silent face of his wife and the mother of his little babies. This is what he said, I quote, The other day when I was here, a man said I couldn't say Christ was sufficient if my wife were dead and my children were crying for their mother. If that man is here, I tell him that Christ is sufficient. My heart is bleeding, it is crushed, it is broken, but it has a song and Christ put it there. And if that man is here, I tell him that though my wife is gone and my children are motherless, Christ speaks comfort to me today. And Wilson said that the man was there, and down the aisle he came, knelt by the casket, and gave his life to Christ. Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. All of us have experienced trials, pain, setbacks, the loss of children, parents, marriages, financial setbacks, relational setbacks. And so many people who go through these things try to find solace in things that don't work. But if you have God, if you have Jesus, you can get through. And you can become a help and a resource to people that will go through it after you have gone through it. You know? And so if someone loses a child, I might send them over to Jim and Linda Wilkerson who lost their son Brad. And I could go around this church today and think of things that people have gone through. And yet, you're here. You're here. It makes my heart sing when someone loses a spouse and the following Sunday they're here. You know, they haven't given up. It was real, their faith. In the end, Hebrews emphasizes three aspects of Christ's death for us. First, we have access to God through Christ. Second, we can trust Christ to help us through life's dark valleys because he passed this way before us and he knows me. And third, we should live and die with the same courageous, self-giving commitment that Jesus showed in his life and death, never giving up. We draw near through Christ so that we may have mercy and grace to help in time of need. Remember that grace means favor. Again, only those who draw near to God through the great high priest will find favor with God in the time of need. Where can we go for help when we are lonely, frustrated, angry, or have any out obstacle that is weighing us down? Other people cannot be depended on. Books cannot be depended upon. Social media cannot be depended upon. Psychoanalysis cannot be depended upon. Only God is dependable to be our source of strength. And that source of strength depends on nothing external. It depends only on you and your relationship with God. It cannot be taken from away from you. He suffered the same things we do, and he understands how we feel. Only 
key can enable us to deal with every situation we face because he is greater.
So fear not. Christ, we have everything we need.